today I'm going to be speaking about Jesus as our friend and advocate, continuing our Simply Jesus series. Duncan spoke fantastically well last week, introducing and giving us a great foundation of Jesus is God. No? Is Jerry making jokes? Did Jerry not like it? (laughs) But we're doing this series. We're doing this series because in Hebrews 11, it says that Jesus is the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. As we get to know Jesus, we get to know God. He is the perfect revelation of who God is. He is the perfect image of who God is. He is God walking on this earth. As we get to know Jesus, as we get to read about him in the Gospels and Scripture, we just get to see, okay, that's, that's what God would do in that situation. That's how God would act. And then we get to think, well, how should I respond to that? Uh, and what should my natural response be to a God that is like that? And so that's what we're kind of laying a foundation for. We're laying a foundation for hopefully you all to think, actually, that God is so incredible. I'll just bow my knee to him. (laughs) I'll just bow my knee and I'll worship him and I'll give him my all and my everything. I'll, I'll breathe for him. I'll live for him. I'll do everything for him. I'll change and be transformed my opinions and values and beliefs because of who he is. And so that's the kind of, that's why we're doing this series. And today I get to uh, jump into um, Jesus being our friend and advocate. Now, I don't know if you know, but I was meant to be preaching last week on Jesus is God, but then I got COVID. And it's quite quite a funny shift from preaching Jesus is God to Jesus is friend and advocate. It's quite a kind of like, you know, you're looking at this amazing sovereignty and power of Jesus being a man and God walking on this earth to being our friend. But actually, I think as I studied it, it actually just came together in a really beautiful way for me. And so hopefully it helps you as well. I'm going to be preaching from John 15, which is a really famous passage. I'm going to read from John 15, 1 through to um, 17. On the slides, I'm afraid I've only got 12 through to 17. Um, So hopefully you've got your Bibles. But as you open your Bibles up or as you find John 15, Something else happened to me this week. I was walking to school to pick up Naomi, um, and in front of me was a a friend of mine who had a baby. I don't know him that well. He's like one of the school dads. He's had a baby in the last, like, six months. Um, And he was walking there. I've not met the baby yet. And the baby was, like, on his front, uh, and he was walking about 10 meters in front of me. And I thought, I'm going to be honest here. My first thought was, oh, no, I don't want to say hello to him. I'm not like that. That was what my my heart did and my my mind did. And I was like, I'm going to slow down a bit (laughs) so that I don't have to talk to that person. And then you catch yourself thinking these things and you think, how how horrible is that thought? And so I I challenged myself and I was like, no, I do want to speak to him. But, But I think that's a sign of what COVID has done over this last period of time. I think it's made us tired, I think it's made us weary, and I think it's made us opt out of relationship in many ways. Because relationship can be tiring, relationship can be hard, it's not always easy, and so I think sometimes we're opting out of relationship. And actually, I want to challenge you today, are you opting out of relationship? Today's talk isn't going to be about like peer-to-peer relationships that much, but it is looking at Jesus, the friend, the perfect friend, 
And so actually when we talk about it, I want us to be able to apply it to, well, am I being that friend to other people? Am I, being, uh, am I celebrating their newborn baby? Am I celebrating with them? And actually that day I, I'd forgotten my keys. I know this is quite a long introduction, so I apologize, but I'd forgotten my keys. Uh, and I got home and I couldn't get through the window. I tried the bathroom window. I, I could get my head in, but not my chest. I had the two kids. <laughs> maybe COVID locked me. I don't know. Maybe that, that's something else COVID's done, isn't it? A bit wait. Um, but the kids were there standing. Daddy, it's dangerous. Don't do that. And I was like, Naomi, can you have a go? Because I think you could get through. But then I remembered, actually, my friends, the Holts, have, have a set of keys. So I call them up, and I go around. And actually, we had a great time just talking and hanging out and being friends together. And it just reminds you the value of friendship. Yeah. A, they had my keys so I could get my house. Yeah. But the, the joy of just being able to connect on a friendship level um, was really powerful. Fantastic. Hopefully that was long enough to get to John 15. So John 15, I'm just going to read it through. So I am the true vine. I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not... Are you just arriving, Eileen? I'm joking. I'm joking. She's on kids' work. I'm sorry. That was a joke. I've lost my place now. Six, thank you. If anyone does not abide in me... Shush. He is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should be go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the father in my name, he may give to you. These things I command, to you, command you so that you will love one another. Such good verses. The first thing to, to draw out of these verses is this, that Jesus is relational. He just simply is relational. He, he, you can't read this scripture without thinking, oh, Jesus is relational. 
You know, you can't read this scripture without thinking God wants relationship with me. You, you know, abide in me and I will abide in you. There's a, a relational element to God that is uh, inseparable from who he is. You see, as you read through John 14 through 16, again and again you get this picture of the Trinity. You get this picture of Father, Son and Holy Spirit constantly mentioned, constantly spoken about, going between the, the three of them and my Father will send the Spirit, the Son will send the Spirit, the Father will send the Spirit, I abide in the Father, the Father abides in me, I abide in his love, he abides in my love. You know, there's, there's this constancy of the, the Trinity now that tells us something foundational about God and I'm not going to go into the Trinity because Duncan spoke about it last week but what it tells us is that Jesus and the Father and the Spirit have been in relationship from, well forever. <laughs> there wasn't a from. The, the, the Father, Son and Holy Spirit have been in relationship. They're a relational God. They relate to one another. They interrelate with one another. God, the Father, Son and Holy Spirit are relational the very foundation of the character of God is relational. This means that, you know, some people say that God is the same in Judaism, Islam and Christianity. But actually, the very foundation of God is different in, those, in, in the other religions because they do not believe in the Trinity. So the Trinity proclaims this. God is a relational God. And, it, and he proclaims this, that, that his creation wasn't because of his lack. He created not because of lack, but because of overflow. Yeah. <laughs> because he's an abundant God, an overflowing God. The, the loving relationship, Genesis 1:26 says this, let us make man in our image. Let us make him in our likeness. The overflow of God's love. There was so much bubbling, beaming love from the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The, the relationship was so good that, the, that they actually wanted to create more so that the love could expand, so that his relational content could expand into us. Let us make God in, uh, let us make man in our image, in our likeness. So our likeness, we are created for relationship because we are in the likeness of a relational God. We are, we are overflowing with this abounding love because we're made in the likeness of God. We're not made to be alone. We're not made to have lack. We're, we're made to have this abundance of relational love. And that comes straight from who God is. And I think that has to be the, the starting point from us thinking about God, it, thinking about our relationship with God. Before we get onto what type of relationship it is, you just have to know that, that you are made because God loves. You are formed because God loves. You exist on this earth today because God loves, because God is love, because God is relational. And he wants to abide with you. Abide in me is a, is a kind of ongoing practical thing. It's not something that you just, um, it, it just happens as a one-off. This abiding talks of an abiding kind of on a constant basis. And God desires that. Abide in me and I'll abide in you. It's a choice to abide in God. It's a choice to continually relate with him and have relationship with him and abide in him. 
And that's what this kind of is drawing out. Will you abide in God? Will you have relationship with this God? Will you, uh, will you respond to the invite that he gives to be relational with him? Oh, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. If anyone struggles with the Trinity and kind of thinking it through and like grappling with it, you can't get to the Trinity without, uh, from, you can't get to anywhere but the Trinity from the Gospels. The perfect revelation, Jesus, reveals the Trinity. But if you struggle with kind of understanding it, I've read a really good book recently uh, by Michael Reeves called The Good God. And it's just like a really thin book. I just suggest you reading it. It's just a really, it's quite easy to understand. It's not difficult. But it just, it talks about the abounding and bountiful love of God, uh, which is what we're created in. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Here you go, my preparation wasn't wasted for last week now. So what does it mean that Jesus is our friend? I think we often talk about other relationships when it comes to God, when it comes to Jesus. Do we think about Jesus as friend? It's quite, a, quite an interesting thing because does God like me? <laughs> That question, does God like me? Like a friend has to like you, right? If not, you can't be friends. <laughs> Can you? You laugh like that. <laughs> you, you, can't, you can't be friends unless there's a like. And he likes me. I think he likes you too, Maria. But I think that's where some of us get to, not all of the time, but most of the time. That's what we kind of think. But the problem with that is that we then get to a point of thinking, well, actually, our behavior means then he doesn't like us. I, I love this chapter. In Matthew 11, the, the Pharisees, so we learned about the Pharisees last week as well, about how they are, Jesus often argued with them, and, and there was often tension with Jesus and the Pharisees, these religious people, and you know, always good and always perfect, but only in action rather than in heart. And they, they said this accusation, and it says in Matthew eleven nineteen, it says this, that the Pharisees said, the son of man came eating and drinking, and they said, look at him, a glutton, a drunkard, and a friend of tax collectors and sinners. And they meant it as an insult, that Jesus was a friend to these rotten people on this earth. But Jesus turned it around as a prophetic declaration to say, no, no, I am friends of sinners I am friends of people who sin. I am friends with people who are lost in darkness. I am this friend. I'm a friend. And you read it through again and again in the Gospels. Jesus seems attracted to those in the darkest situations. Jesus seems drawn constantly to go to those who are lost in the deepest sin. He, he is a friend and he goes after them, and he goes after people constantly. And, and, and this accusation came after he called a tax collector, Matthew. Matthew, and you can read this in Matthew 9, and he called him, and Matthew was sat at the booth there. Now, tax collectors in those days were, were seen as, as rotten people, as, as the most sinful, because they would often steal and take more than what they were actually allowed to take. Uh, we can't bring that into today. Um, but Jesus called Matthew, and Matthew was rich and he had lots of rich friends. And it says in Matthew 9 that Matthew then took Jesus to his home and they had a party together. 
Uh, and Jesus partied with sinners and tax collectors. And the Pharisees came up and go, you can't do that. You, you, you can't do that. And Jesus said, it's the sick who need a doctor. That was his response. It's the sick who need a doctor. And I'm the doctor that's going to be there for them. It's such a beautiful thing when you realize, actually, this declaration of, yes, I sin. But he likes me. <laughs> he likes me. He's my friend. It's a, it's a really beautiful picture. Jesus, friend of sinners. And it's not saying he likes the sin. It's not saying he wants to leave you in that sin. He doesn't want to transform you. He's saying, I will come to you and I will be your friend and I will work with you and I will transform your life. I will transform you and change you as your friend. As, as I reveal how much I like you, as I reveal my friendship with you. Come on. Come on. It's so good. Okay, I, I'm going to ask you to do some work. Um, so wake up. Listen up here. I want you to just have a chat about the next question. Is it there? No. 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 Oh, I'm jumping ahead, am I? Keep going. Oh, there you go. That one. What is unique about friendship? So have a chat with your neighbor. Have a couple of minutes just talking about what is unique about the relationship of friendship. And I've, I don't know the answers, so. But if you want to look in John 15, there is some answers. <laughs> Excellent. Okay, one more minute. I can see the Bexons have landed on the truth. The Dieps have landed on the truth. Oh, they're talking to that. Or well, the Bexons are Googling it anyway. All right, let's... Um, Let's draw it in. All right, Bruno. What's the uniqueness about friendship? Just one thing. Um, when someone can count on when you're in trouble or you're 
So the fact when you're in trouble, you can call on them and that they would come close to you and draw near and support you through that yes. trouble. It's really good. Anyone else? I'm not going to pick on everyone. No, 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 I'm not going to do that. Come on. Yeah, yeah. So we can have lots of different friends who then we're friends with in different situations. And, and you see that with Jesus, don't you? Like he had a wider group and then a smaller group and a, a smaller group of friends as well. So that's really good. Abby. Yeah, it's true. You can choose your friends. You can, you can have that choice. I think Saman was... So NASA says, if, if they're a friend, you can phone them, and they will be there. You know who your friends are. It's true. Mm, come on. So it's celebration with them as well. Actually, when, they, when, when something good, like anything happens, you celebrate with them as well as the, the hard times and that. It's really good. Genuineness. Yeah, like a genuineness. Uh-huh. Like a truthfulness and a genuineness and a not trying to act. It's just you're comfortable with each other and you... It's really good. So you're, mm -hmm. Come on. You just accepted. It's really good. I like that. Annie. Please uh, open your up if you have friends as well. Yeah. And then uh, set up our harmonious relationship. Ah, come on. It's really good. So a reciprocal relationship and it's harmonious and it's kind of you reciprocate. It's mutual. It's really good. John, you said something before. Yeah, it's mutual. Very good. Very good, thank you. You've done my work for me. <laughs> and I, I'm trying to make Alan uh, chase me around with the camera. So what, what are the things Jesus picks out? And it'll be some of the stuff you've said. So verse 15, it says this, No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know his master's business. But I call you friends. I think there's something about Jesus opening himself up to be known by us. And, and to be known and, and to be almost vulnerable to us. And as we get, he's saying, actually, no, I want you to know me. I, I want you to be known 
And I'm, I'm saying, actually, I'm not hiding things from you. I'm not just telling you to do things. You're not just a servant or a slave. That was the Pharisees' problem. They were just servants or slaves. That was the religious problem. Actually, I want to be friends with you. And so, actually, I'll let, let you know me. And as you get to know me, that friendship will build. There's something about that. And, and Annie, I thought, and John, you know, the mutuality of Jesus and coming to know Jesus and him being open and us being open and that kind of requirement of that kind of friendship is that being real and open and, and, and we know his business. It's incredible that Jesus would say, I'm letting you know my business, like all of my business, all that there is about me. I think that's a, an incredible truth. The choice thing, you did not choose me, but I chose you. Oh, that's, that's beautiful, isn't it? It's incredible. Jesus chose you to be his friend. Jesus chose you to be friends with him. I didn't choose him. He chose me. Oh, that's incredible. And then there's this thing of serving and sacrifice. So verse um, 12, it talk, uh, verse 13, greater love has no one than this than to lay down his life for his friends. Jesus laid down his life for his friends. But he didn't just do it once. Uh, on earth, when he was here, he laid down his life and he was the servant and he served his friends and he helped his friends and he ate with his friends and he enjoyed being with his friends and there's this passion and there's one thing that that when in Matthew 11, when he was accused of being a friend of sinners, what was it that they didn't like? It was that he was eating with them, that he was having meals with them. He was enjoying fellowship with them. There's something about eating together, which talks about relationship, isn't there? You know, like as you, as you eat, and that's why we want to do meals for six, just to put that out there again. You know, we want to do meals for six because actually friendship builds as we eat together. Not just communion, which it does. That builds friendship anyway. But as we eat together, as we talk over a hot meal or a cold meal, maybe, you can, if you do a meal for that, it just opens something up. It opens a togetherness, a sharedness. Jesus loves eating with you. Have you ever sat and had a meal with Jesus? I haven't. I just wondered if you had. I think there's something that, now, it says here, you are my friends if you do what I command you. That's verse 14. And now I think this is a point where we could trip up. Because it's a point where we be could become like the Pharisees. You know, okay, so I've got to do everything God commands me. Therefore, I've got to learn the Levitical law so that I know exactly what he's commanding me to. I've got to learn this, I've got to learn that, and if I, if, I, if, I, if I don't obey all of it, then, oh, I'm probably not his friend. I don't think that's what this verse is saying. I think God says this, I have opened myself up for you to know me. I've opened myself up so that you could know me and understand me. I've let my plans be known to you. And as I've revealed myself to you, as you realize that Jesus is Lord, that Jesus is God, that Jesus is Savior, that Jesus is King, I think sometimes we think that, 
um, relationships have to be equal. Whereas actually I know that sometimes my relationships are not equal, my friendships are not equal. Have you ever uh, had a friend who's worked in a really cool building or in a really cool office or environment and you go and visit them at work and they have this little card and they can access every room and you can get in the lift with them and go right to the top of the big buildings and look out over London or wherever it is. I, I couldn't do that, but they can do that. There's benefits to being friends with certain people, isn't there? There is. There's real benefits. And there's benefits to being friends with Jesus. As you know who he is, he creates fruitfulness and abundance and benefits. As you get to know who he is, it talks about the, in the verses before, it talks about um, your prayer life actually being better. Ask whatever you want as you abide in me. Why? Because you know my heart. You know who I am. You know what I'm doing. And, you get, and actually you become more like them. And there is a morality thing here. If my morals don't match up to what Jesus says, I should be thinking, oh, he knows better than me. So therefore, I should come into line with his views and his, what he says. I should come into line with what my friend says on that. The same with John. If John tells me something about PA, if I start saying to him, actually, no, I think you've got that wrong, he'd probably show me his resume of kind of like the company that he owned that does sound or the years that he's done on sound or this or that. And, and I would have to su submit to what John was doing. And, and it's the same with Jesus. But even more so, Jesus knows more about PA. John would have to bow down to Jesus on PA. <laughs> but it's that it, it, friendship isn't always like equality. We're equal. We're the same as one another. Actually, that it brings life knowing that actually I come to Jesus and I can do far more. And I think actually it's not just about obeying his commands or laws when he says this. It's about obeying his voice. In John 10, he says, the sheep know my voice and follow my voice and do what I say. And there's this chapter in chapter John 21 where, where um, the, the, it's after the resurrection and the disciples are still in a pretty disappointed place. They're still in a pretty weak place. And they go and they, they're like, oh, I can't do this. I'm just going to go back to what I was doing. I'm going to go fishing. I am really good at fishing. I'm just going to go fishing. And it says that they spent the whole night fishing. Didn't catch one fish. And they're obviously like, oh, I can't even do this anymore. But then Jesus comes and he shouts out, friends, have you caught any fish? Why don't you cast your net again on the right side of the boat? Now, they have a choice in that moment. I know more about fishing than Jesus. I know more about fishing. I've been out all night. Ah, there's no fish down there. Or do you obey the voice of God? Take the risk and take the adventure. There's something about adventure when it comes to friendship. Doing a life together on an adventure. And these kind of, I think that's why the disciples were sent out two by two as well, because you kind of build each other in this adventure. But there's an adventure 
in listening to the voice of God, to doing what he commands. And as you listen to his voice and do what he commands, there's an adventure to be had. This isn't just about legalism and, and law abiding and, and morals. It's about living your life under the voice of God. Hearing his voice speak into your situations, listening, obeying, doing, and seeing fruitfulness. Abounding fruitfulness, an abundance of fruitfulness. As you obey the voice of God, as you obey the voice of your friend, your friend who walks with you, your friend who journeys with you, your friend, as you obey that, you'll see the adventure of God. You'll see his kingdom come in greater measure. great being friends with Jesus. It's wonderful. It's a privilege to be friends with the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. The doors he'll open for you will be incredible. The adventures you'll have with him as you listen to his voice and follow him, and there's joy. There's real joy in it. And then moving on to just, just to close about him being an advocate for you. It says in Romans 8.34, I've not written them down, are they on the screen? So, who is it to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who is indeed interceding for us. And then 1 John 2 verse 1, my little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. Jesus, when he rose, still had holes in his hands from the scars of the nails that were nailed through his hands because he loved you so much. I can just picture this now, Jesus being uh, with the Father and the, the Holy Spirit and just sitting there with his hands. He doesn't even have to say anything. He's advocating by just holding his hands out. He's advocating for you. He's saying and is supporting you because he just holds his hands out. And the Father and the Spirit and the Son see the holes in the hands and they're like, they're forgiven. <laughs> They are free. They are forgiven. They are restored. They are redeemed. But more than that, he, he intercedes. He does actually speak for us. Interceding talks about him praying for us. Jesus, our friend, is with the Father, praying to the, talking to the Father on our behalf for our sake. Come on. It's incredible. It's like an incredible truth. Jesus, the Son, is there as our advocate. And he just shouts out, I love them. <laughs> I've forgiven them. I've paid for them on the cross. Every sin is gone. As you've come to know Jesus, the advocate, I think it's incredible that Jesus prays for me. It's mind-boggling. That he intercedes on my behalf. It just opens up this whole realm of friendship. 
this whole realm of him saying, I like you and I love you and I cherish you and I want to be friends with you and I want to do life with you and I want to abide in you and I want you to abide with me and I want us to have this mutual relationship. I want us to enjoy each other. I want us to have fun together. I want us to have adventure together. I'm going to close. But I really want to pray for people. I want to pray for people You see, we have this fact, Jesus died on a cross. You can read the evidence and the history, and that is fact. It happened, and he did it for you. And we can look at the facts, we can look at what it says in the gospel. But actually what it says in John 14 is, I will send my Holy Spirit to come and live in your hearts that it would be felt. I think it's good to have the facts because feelings you can't always rely on. But actually, he says the Holy Spirit will come and dwell in you so that you can know that I am your friend. So I want to pray. I'd like you to stand and the the band to come back. But I'd just like to pray for the Holy Spirit to fill you. Come, Holy Spirit. 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 Jesus, Jesus, pour out your spirit in this place. Father, pour out your spirit into our hearts now. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Jesus says that I stand at the door and knock and if you open the door I will come in and I will eat with you (laughs) in in Psalm 23 he says I prepare a table before you in the presence of your enemies Lord, I, I pray now, Lord God, for each and every heart in here, Lord Jesus, with you standing at the door. Lord God, we, we let you into our hearts. We invite you into our hearts. We open the door that you would come in. And I pray today, Lord Jesus, that eyes would be open to you, Lord Jesus that hearts would be open to you, Lord Jesus, that ears would be open to you, King Jesus. 
your voice affirming and loving and cherishing and calling and transforming us, Lord. <laughs> come, Holy Spirit, come. Lord, I thank you that you are our friend. I thank you that you are our friend that walks with us. And I pray now, Lord God, that we would know you walking with us, Lord Jesus. Walking with us, Lord Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Come, Father, come. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. And I pray for an adventurous spirit on our hearts, Lord Jesus. I pray that we would see the adventures that you have for us. I pray that we'd hear the whispers and obey, Lord Jesus. I pray that we would see your kingdom come in greater measure because we are friends with you. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Oh, la, la, la.